Well, a traveler once visited a small village in the countryside at a local bar, and someone asked him if he was married. He said, no, I'm actually divorced. Never could find a woman I didn't end up fighting with all the time, he replied. The local man said, then you should go talk to the old couple that lives on the hill outside the village. Rumor has it that they've been married for over 60 years and they've never fought one time. What? That's impossible. Everyone has a fight, exclaimed the traveler. But the local swore to him it was the truth and nothing but the truth. The traveler just had to check it out for himself. And in the morning, he knocked on the door of this little house on the hill and was immediately welcomed by the husband who invited him in for tea. After the traveler explained why he came to see him, the man smiled and nodded. It's true. We've never, ever had a fight one time in our marriage. Please, begged the traveler, can you tell me your secret? Well, said the old man, it all started about 60 years ago, right after the wedding. We were riding our mule back to town and walking it down the street when it tripped over a stone and my wife said, that's one. We kept riding and he tripped again on another stone, which made my wife immediately say, that's two. Two minutes later, the mule trips over a stone again. My wife said, that's three. Then she proceeds to pull out a shotgun that I never knew that she had and shot him right in the head twice. I was shocked and I yelled at her. What in the world did you just do? Are you crazy? We need that donkey. She looked at me and said, that's one. Uh, you'll get that on the way home. Some of you will never get it. That's what really... That's what really worries me. This morning I want to start a brand new series. Um, and it's called, What's the Big Deal? What's the Big Deal? See, because I think that there are certain things that are just a really, they're just a big deal to God. And the truth is, slowly, our society's forgetting those things that are important. Just slowly certain things that once were seen by God and by people as a really big deal, something really important, something that God said, this is really important, something that, that, that built societies, something that was the, the fabric of, of societies, but little by little they're becoming less and less important in our world. You see, I've been really praying lately and spending some time with God. And I really feel like God has said, Steve, you need to tell the people of Bethlehem, people that are watching via live stream, the people that are in the overflow, that there's some things that are really big. They're big deals to me, and I want you to tell the church that. But before I do that, I want you to take a look at this video real quick. Mm, no. Uh, I guess. Because it's tough being alone. By yourself. And yeah. relationships don't really work too much. Mm -hmm. It's better to have somebody that, that loves you back. Yeah. It is, but I don't think it's viewed the way it was back in the older days. It's an important institution. You know, it, it adds a lot of 
uh, it galvanizes kind of the social fabric of things? Well, you don't really need a ring to be in love. That's what I say. I think it's important to symbolize your love for somebody. Not saying that you have to get married, but I think it's a great way to symbolize your love for someone. There's not time sometimes to work on relationships. So you're going to school and you're getting out of school, you're trying to pay your student loans, you get a job, jobs are more demanding. I think because of the increase in um, women going to college and wanting to pursue a career. There's more experiences, there's more things that you need to accomplish before you get married. I think it's a matter of convenience because of the fact that everybody's going about doing their own thing, living their own life. You know, it's like they don't have time no more. I don't know. It's a tradition that's getting a little outdated at points. A lot of people are concentrating on their careers first before they um, settle down, get married, have a family. I think as long as both parents are active, I think that's what matters most. Of course, everyone would want both parents to be together, but as long as both of them can get along and communicate and know that it's about the child, I don't see why it would really matter. No, driver's son, I'm not married to his mom. As long as the parents can coexist and do what's right for the child, it should be all right. Lord, we just pray, oh God, that you would help us today, Lord God, just to understand how big a deal it really is, Lord for two people to come together, Lord, and to make a lifelong commitment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. See, the truth is, a lot of people are just simply opting out of marriage. They're opting out of marriage and they've just decided that we could just live together. Among millennials, according to a study, fewer millennials will be married by the age of 34, with as many as 25% of today's young adults possibly staying single forever. This is a stark contrast from the boomer generation. In the 1960s, the medium age of a person who got married was 20 for women and 23 for men with marriage rates fluctuating between 82% to 91%. 91% of people got married in the 1960s. Today, those numbers have changed to 27 for women and 29 for men, with marriage rates dropping as low as 70%. What makes this even more interesting is, is that most millennials will tell you that marriage is something that... that is honorable and marriage in a lot of ways is something that they'd like to do in the future. But why are they opting out of it? A lot of millennials are actually opting out of marriage because actually they're waiting a lot longer, um, even if they even consider marriage, because the society tells them that they have to be set financially. And so, so many young people are first choosing to go to school, grad school. So they're waiting a lot longer, even if they do get married in a a lot of uh, millennials are opting out of marriage because, unfortunately, they've seen uh, some of the statistics, at least they've heard some of the statistics that only half marriages really actually uh, succeed and 50% of marriages end in divorce. Well, I have some good news for you. That's not true. Um, those statistics are far less, and the truth is marriage is doing better than we thought. 
Um, but at the same time, there is a perception. At the same time, there is a perception for at least young people that marriage is something that you just kind of put off. In fact, one young lady writes in her blog, I, a walk down the aisle has never been a part of my agenda. I never bought into the whole happily ever after scenario. To me, the concept of marriage is akin to being buried alive, ditto for baby making. Wow. So sad, it broke my heart. She said, I've done long-term coupling thing, so I'm certainly not a commitment foe. Most recently, I had a relationship for 11 years. In every relationship, I've always had the same agreement with my partners. I want the both of us to show up on a daily basis because we actively choose to, not because we're bonded by a piece of paper or by a promise. And if when we reach the point when either our hearts or our minds are no longer in it, we agree to have that conversation and then go from there. In my experience, this arrangement has led to civilized splits, plus it's much easier than negotiating a divorce. I'm a low-key person who doesn't like drama. This relationship style works well for me. Here's a few other reasons why I won't get married. I'm in no way religious. I don't need a lavish event to celebrate love. There's no almighty power I feel the need to declare my true love before. Weddings can be so pricey, I'd rather spend my money on traveling to somewhere I'd rather be. Three, I'm independent. I'm independent and I can support myself. I don't need a knight in shining armor. Also, I love my alone time and so therefore I'm opting out of marriage. Number four, I'm one person, one sex partner isn't enough for me. In another twist, I'm not monogamous. That style I practice is polyamory, which means I can have sex, love, and deep intimacy with multiple partners. Sure, I know plenty of happily married people. Some of us were raised to think of intimacy and partnership in a very particular way, a way that involves marriage. But there are countless ways to live and to love and there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Marriage isn't necessarily a flawed institution. It's just not for me. And the thing is, whether you put a ring on it or not, all relationships require, listen, support, communication, and effort. Notice what she says. Relationships require support, communication, and effort. But when I simply want to quit, or give up, when I simply want to stop supporting, when I simply want to stop communicating, when I simply want to stop putting effort into the relationship, we could just walk away from one another. That doesn't sound like support to me. That doesn't sound like unconditional communication and effort to me. It sounds like when I'm done, I can walk. So then why is marriage such a big deal to God? Why can't we just live together? Why can't we just kick the tires around and try it out for a little while? Well, number one, statistics will tell you that most people that actually live together, most people who live together don't end up staying together. Far more people who live together actually break up. And there's a reason for that. There's a, there's a really good reason for that. After all, some people say, I look at the state of marriage all around me, and they're not doing so well. Well, guess what? The statistics were wrong, 
And marriage is still the most healthiest thing that you could do in life when it comes to uh, being together with another partner. New, more accurate facts state that divorce rate is far lower than what was originally thought, that people who are married are far more happier than those that are not. Divorce has much greater emotional, psychological, physical, and spiritual effects on people than they ever could imagine, and worse, on their children. And children born out of wedlock are far more prone to suffer from difficulties in school, at home, and internally. So what's the big deal about marriage? Why does God believe marriage is such an incredibly big deal? Number one, God created marriage to be the most and the highest expression of his reflection of his glory. In fact, Genesis chapter 1 tells us, and we find that God crowned all of creation with the creation and coronation of marriage. If you notice, God creates the heavens and the earth. God creates the seas. God creates all the animals. And then God creates man. And God says to man, it's not good for you to be alone. Do you know why it's not good for man to be alone? Because men do stupid things when they're alone. Did you ever notice that? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Men think stupid things and do stupid things when they're alone. And so God said, it's not good for man to be alone because he's going to do some stupid things. I'm going to make for him a helpmate. And the two are going to be a lot more powerful. The two are going to be a lot more happy. The two are going to actually be exponentially so powerful that I'm going to be able to pray a blessing over them. As the Bible says, God said, let us create man in our own image. Now, notice Moses, who's the writer of Genesis, he actually says, God created man in his own image. And then he went back and he said, and God created male and female in his own image. And so the truth of the matter is God created man, then God creates male and female. He puts them together and he says, this is a reflection of my glory. In fact, Paul the Apostle, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, when he goes through the long list of things, he says, you know, husbands, love your wife as Christ. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wife, learn how to love your husband so much that you're willing to come under his care and submit to him and love and honor and cherish. He said, and then Paul says, all of these things are a reflection of Christ in the church. He says, I tell you that this is a profound mystery. He says, it's so profound that you really can't understand it. It's a mystery to us how God actually took two people and put them together and joined them and the two shall become one flesh. He said, it's so powerful. It's so exponential. It's so synergetic that you can't even really understand how the how powerful marriage is. But he says, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the illustration of marriage to help you to understand how the church operates with Christ and how Christ loves the church. He said, I show you this profound mystery, but I'm really not talking about marriage. I'm really talking about Christ and the church. And what he was
was saying is when, when a husband loves his wife like Christ loved the church and when a wife comes alongside of the husband and when they give grace to one another, people can see my grace. When they give love to one another, people can see my agape love. When they give mercy to one another, when they communicate with one another, when they love each other so much, even when it's hard. Listen, love is not a feeling. It's an action. Love is being supportive even when you don't want to support the person. Love is staying when you want to run. Love is, is loving somebody even though you don't even feel like you're in love. That is a reflection of God. Why? Because God, he loves you with an everlasting love. He's undyingly committed to you. He's loyal to you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And even when he doesn't want to love you somehow, somehow I can't figure that out because I think he does. But even when he doesn't want to love you, he still loves you. Why? Because love is an action. Come on, somebody. And God thinks it's such a big deal because he created marriage to be a reflection of his holiness, reflection of his love, a reflection of his strength, of kingdom living. Notice what it says. Then God blessed them. The Hebrew word for bless is actually a word that says praise or congratulate or salute. Then God praised them. Then God congratulated them. Then God saluted them because he said, I'm now going to bless you so that you can be a reflection of my glory. And God said to them, as a married couple, be fruitful and multiply. Have sex, make lots of babies, and fill the earth, and then subdue it. Have dominion, he said. I want you to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Listen to me. Marriage was intended to be a life of reigning together. A life of living in God's blessing together. A life of being fruitful in every way, sharing together the dominion of God in each other's life. Had God not made Adam and Eve and joined them together, God's plan of fruitfulness, God's plan of multiplication, God's plan for creation would have ceased. That's why I believe that God intends for man and women to get married, not a woman and a woman and not a man and a man. Why? Because ultimately, God takes two people, puts them together and says, be fruitful and multiply. And the truth is, if, we, if, if, if men and women stop getting married, we won't have a society any longer. It's just, that's just the bottom line. The devil hates mankind. And if you put two women together, they cannot procreate. You put two men together, they cannot procreate. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm telling you this out of love. This is what God's word says. Listen to me. Marriage is a very big deal to God because it is God's plan. It is God's seed. It is the joy of God, the vision of God, and the beauty of God. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's a mystery. It's a mystery of God's ordained plan to bring two people together. It's a mystery of how the Holy Spirit makes them one flesh. It's a mystery so that they would fulfill the master plan of God on the earth. That's why Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 19. Listen to Matthew chapter 19. 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And some Pharisees, religious people, came to them to test them. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every cause or reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator, God, thought it was such a big deal. The creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God thinks is a big deal, what God joins together, let no one separate. That's why Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, to the married I give this command, not I, he said, but the Lord. This is not just a good idea. He said, but this is a big deal to God. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife, who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is now, they are holy. Let me give you the context of this for a few moments. Paul the Apostle is traveling around, and now he's preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. He was sent to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and now he's going into Corinth. He's going into different Gentile regions, and he's preaching the gospel, and people are coming to know Christ as their Savior. But there's a problem that arises in the church, and particularly, he's talking to the church in Corinth, in particular, what happens is, is that people are now coming to know Christ as their savior. Now remember, Corinth is in a very, very ungodly place, and it's paganistic. I mean, really, really paganistic. They're under Roman rule, and man, they're going crazy. They're having sex with everyone. They're having orgies. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Romans chapter 1 talks about how God gave them over to a reprobate mind and now they're, 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 they're seeing the effects of all of that in their bodies and their bodies are breaking down because God never intended them to have sex with multiple partners, but they're going wild. They're having these parties and they're paganistic and, and they're actually even worshiping pagan gods that encourage this kind of lifestyle. Now Paul comes in and he starts to teach about creation and he starts to teach about marriage and he starts to teach people that they need to be married to one person and he tells them that they are not to get married to people that are unbelievers. They should not be yoked together with an unbeliever. They should not come together. And listen, I want to encourage you, choose wisely. Choose wisely while you can because once you do, you, you did. And so young people, you need to choose wisely. And so, Paul is encouraging them to marry Christians. So now, sister so-and-so, she gives her life to Jesus, and Jesus changes her whole life. And now she wants to be committed to Jesus, and she doesn't need to go out and party anymore. She doesn't need to have multiple sex partners anymore. She found Jesus, and Jesus is fulfilling her life, and man, everything is good, but her husband, he's still out there partying. He's still out there doing stuff. And maybe he's not having sex and stuff like that outside of the marriage, but he's just not a Christian. 
So she comes to church one day and she sees brother so-and-so and he's single, but he loves Jesus. And she starts to think to herself, wow, I should really be married to him. So she wants to get married to him, so she wants to get divorced from her husband. So Paul has to show them the importance, how big deal it really is to be married and how God thinks marriage is such a big deal. And so Paul tells them, if, if, if you can't live with your husband because, man, he's doing some incredibly bad things, say, okay, you know, I, there, there are times when it's so abusive, there are some times when it's so bad that you got to get out of the situation, but you need to remain unmarried because when you did it, you, did, you, you need to remain married. When you did it, you did it one time, and when God joins together, that's for a lifetime. Let no man put asunder. But notice what Paul says. Paul says, but if your unbelieving husband wants to stay with you, then you stay in the relationship. You don't marry brother so-and-so and get rid of your husband. Why? Because he shows us the sanctification, the beauty, the holiness, the big idea of God that when you came together, the Bible says two of you that came together even though you weren't Christians. When you two came together, you came together and God was looking down and God brought you together. What God joins together. I, listen to me. I believe even non-Christians, people that don't even believe in God, it's like jumping off the Empire State Building. When you jump off the Empire State Building, you committed. You could change your mind halfway down, but you're still committed. And when you get married, God has created the institution of marriage. Listen to me. And he sanctified it. He made the institution of marriage holy. So that when you come together, and you might not even really mean it, you might not even really care, but when you look at somebody and you say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, for pasta, fazul, or not, listen, you did it. You got married, and God blessed it. And God said, it's good. Why? Because he created marriage for that reason. And so Paul the Apostle, he says, listen, if your husband who's an unbeliever wants to stay, then let him stay. Why? He says, because your husband is sanctified by the marriage. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to get to heaven. So don't get the idea that you can send your wife to church and you're going to go to heaven because she's a good woman. But it just means that the marriage has been set apart as holy. And you can't treat that which is holy unholy by getting divorced. And so that's really critical. Why? Because it helps us as believers understand how important marriage really is to God. Secondly, marriage is a big deal to you and to me and to God, to your kids. Because it actually creates a healthy society. Marriage and society. The institution of marriage reliably creates the social and economic and effective conditions for effective parenting. Being married changes people's lifestyle and habits in a way, listen to me, that are personally and socially beneficial. Marriage is a seedbed of pro-social behavior. Marriage generates social capitalism. The social bonds created through marriage yields benefits not only for the family, 
but for others as well, including the larger society. Now listen to me, I, I realize, I realize that there are people in this room, there are people that are watching via live stream, there are people in the, the cafe, wherever you are, and you're saying, Pastor Steve, but my marriage is dysfunctional. Pastor Steve, you don't know, man, I came from an abusive marriage. I get that, I understand that. But unfortunately, we've got too many pastors who are shying away from the sacredness of marriage. They're shying away from saying, listen, God still believes this is a really big deal, man. There are pastors that are not preaching it any longer because they're worried about offending people. Not only that, but the majority of the church today is single. The truth is there are more singles in the church than, than married people. So you say, Pastor Steve, why should you talk about marriage? Why? Because God thinks it's just a really incredibly big deal. And by the way, if you're single, God thinks that's a big deal as well. And Paul the Apostle says, while you're single, don't bemoan that you're not married. But be about your father's business, man. Just be free to do the work of the kingdom of God and live your life to the fullest, man. And be a blessing to the world. And don't be, don't be worried about it, man. God's going to send you somebody wonderful. But in the meantime, man, just be about your father's business, man. And have a good time. Travel where you want to go and do all the things that you want to do in life. But don't give up on marriage. Come on, somebody. Hello. It's really way too quiet in here today. That's really scaring me. And I know that there's some dysfunctional marriages and I know there are abusive marriages and I know some marriages are unhealthy, but overall, without a doubt, marriage is critical and vitally important to our society in so many ways. On average, husbands and wives are healthier, happier, and enjoy longer lives than those who are not married. Men appear to reap the most physical health benefits from marriage and suffer the greatest health consequences from divorce. Married mothers have lower rates of depression than single or cohabitating mothers, probably because they're more likely to receive practical and emotional support from their child's father and his family. Thirdly, marriage is a big deal because marriage actually helps people to keep them safe. Between 1960 and 2010, a span, listen to me, a span of 50 years, birth outside of marriage increased 500%. Birth outside of marriage increased 500%. Children living in single parent homes increased 300%. Violent crimes increased 500%. Child abuse increased 340%. Teen suicide increased 200%. Now, I, I told the pastors this morning that I wasn't going to read the statistic because I didn't want to offend anybody. And I didn't want anybody to feel in any way slighted or hurt by what I said. But I need to say it. And I'm just going to say it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in the fact that you love me enough and you understand my heart enough to know that I love you no matter who you are, no matter who, where you come from, no matter what ethnicity you are. So please be mature as you listen to this and understand my heart about this, okay? 70% of all births outside of marriage are in black families. 47.7% of all births outside marriage are in Hispanic families. 
25% of all births are outside of marriage in white families. 16% of births are outside marriage are in Asian families. I don't know what the Asians know that we don't know. I guess they just know that family is really, really, marriage is really important. 16, only 16% in Asian families. 35% of black children live with two parents. That means 65% don't. 66% of Hispanic children live with two parents. That means that 44% don't. 76% of white children live with two parents. 84% of Asian children live with two parents. I want to meet some Asian folks and help me to understand, what are you doing right, man? I mean, it's just amazing. Now, I'm not putting down anyone. Please, please hear my heart on this. Because there are, there, are, there are reasons why all of this happens. But we need to be a part of the solution, not the problem. Amen? And we need, we need to love people no matter where they are, no matter who they are. That's why I love Hope Day. That's why I love all kinds of outreaches. That's why I love this church, because we're a multi-ethnic church. And we accept each other, and we love each other, and we work together as a family, and we try to help. Wherever there's a gap, we fill the gap, and we love people, and we come alongside of people, and we support people. But we don't sweep the statistics under the rug and say it's not there. Come on, somebody. Help me out. I'm here to help you. I'm here. I'm here to help you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to support your marriage, because I love your marriage, no matter who you are. And I love your kids. No matter how they've been born, in whatever situation they've been born in, God has blessed them. And God will bless you if you do the right thing. Amen? Amen. Do you still love me? Amen. Listen, all I know is this. Listen to me. When daddies are not home, bad things happen. All I know is when mommy is not home, bad things happen. Take it from me. I come from a single-parent home. Marriage and crime and domestic violence. Married women are at a lower risk for domestic violence than women in cohabitating or dating relationships. Listen to me, young lady. You're living with somebody, and that man tells you that he loves you. You tell them one thing. Show me the ring. Show me the ring. You're living with somebody and that person doesn't want to make a commitment, that's not the right person for you. If that person can't look you in the eye and tell you that he's going to be committed to you for the rest of his life, then you have no business sleeping with that person and you have no business making a baby with that person. Why? Why? Because married women are at a lower risk for domestic violence. Boys raised in single-parent homes are more likely to engage in criminal and delinquent behaviors than those raised by two married biological parents. Married women are significantly less likely to be the victims of violent crime than single or divorced women. Married men are less likely to perpetuate violent crimes than unmarried. It's not good for man to be alone. God told the people of Israel in Malachi, the reason why I'm not blessing you any longer, the reason why you're not blessed financially, the reason why you're not blessed emotionally and spiritually is because you have broken faith with the wife of your youth. That's what Malachi says. Malachi says, 
you keep on crying out to the Lord, we're broke, we're financially broke. And he says, the reason why you're financially broke is because you're not working together synergetically as a couple to make money work in your family. Why? Because economically, marriage is good for the family. Marriage is good economically for society. Why? Because statistics will tell you married couples build more wealth on an average than singles or cohabitating couples. Married men earn more money than do single men with similar educations and job histories. Can you imagine that? Married women are economically better off than divorced, cohabitating, or never married women financially. Listen to me. Marriage is a big deal to God because marriage is simply really good for you. You know, I, I did some studying this year. I did some studying this week as well. And man, I'll tell you what, I was kind of like, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, I love my kids with all my heart. I love my daughters. And I pray, I pray for my kids every day, constantly. I pray for Janine. I pray for Julia, Jenna. And I, I've been so blessed. My kids are not perfect. But man, oh man, I'm just so blessed to see what God has done in their life. And them growing up with a mommy and a daddy that really loves them and pours a lot of time into them. You know, I was praying for Jenna and Matthew as they're going to get married tomorrow. And I was so excited when I started to study. I wasn't sure I was going to do the sermon today. I kind of wanted to wait another week because of the crowd and everything. But the Lord said, no, you, you speak this sermon you need to speak if somebody's going to be there on Sunday that needs to hear this. So whoever it is, this, this is for you. God kind of rearranged my week. And I, I began to study. And um, there, was a, there was an article that I read that was really powerful. And it was an article by Maggie Gallagher. And she writes in an article, marriage is good for you. And I sent that article immediately to Jenna and Matthew. And I said, you know what? I'm really excited for you that you're getting married. I'm excited that you're coming together. Why? Because marriage is really good for you. And here's the reason she gives. And some of them are repetitive. But let me, let me read it as I close, as the worship team comes. Marriage is better for you because it's safer. Marriage lowers the risk that both men and women will be victims of violence, including domestic violence. We talked about that. It can save your life. Married people live longer and healthier lives. Wow. So my daughter's going to live longer because she got married. I'm good with that. In fact, according to statisticians who compile the catalog of related mortality risks, being unmarried is one of the greatest risks that people voluntarily submit, subject themselves to. And I understand involuntarily as well. Having heart disease, for example, reduces a man's life expectancy by just under six years while being unmarried, choosing not to get married, chops almost 10 years off a man's life. You want to live long, men? Get married. <laughs> Scientists have studied immune functionings in the laboratory, find that happily married couples have better functioning immune systems. Divorced people, even years after the divorce, slow or show much lower levels of immune functions. It can save your kid's life. Children lead healthier, longer lives if parents get and stay married. You will earn more money. Married men make 
by some estimates, as much as 40% more than comparable single guys. And did I mention you're going to get richer? Married people not only make more money, they manage money better, build more wealth together than either would do alone. You'll tame her or his cheating heart. Why is it not good for men to be alone? Why is it not good for women to be alone? Because you'll tame their cheating heart. Marriage increases sexual fidelity. Cohabiting men, men that live with women who are not married, are four more, far four times more likely to cheat than husbands and cohabitating women are eight times more likely to cheat than wives. Wow. Marriage is also the only realistic promise of permanence in a romantic relationship. Just one out of 10 cohabitating couples are still cohabitating after five years. By contrast, 80% of couples marrying for the first time are still married five years later. You won't go crazy. Marriage is good for your emotional, mental health. Married men and women are less depressed, less anxious, and less psychologically distressed than single divorced or widowed Americans. By contrast, getting divorced lowers both men's and women's mental health, increasing depression and hostility, and lowering one's self-esteem and sense of personal mastery and purpose in life. It will make you happier. For most people, the joys of the single life and of divorce are overrated. Overall, 40% of married people compared with about a quarter of singles or cohabitators say they are very happy with life in general. Married people are also only about half as likely as singles or cohabitators to say they are unhappy with their lives. Your kids will love you more. Divorce weakens the bonds between parents and children over a long time. And I like this. This is my favorite one. Are you ready? That's why I call the worship team up because we're going to have to worship after this. You'll have better sex more often. Despite the Lord's sex in the city marketing that promises singles erotic joys untold, both husbands and wives are more likely to report that they have had an extremely satisfying sex life than are singles or cohabitators. Married people are also the most likely to report a higher satisfying sex life. So, bottom line, here it is. Does a piece of paper make your life better? Does a commitment, does a vow, does a promise make your life better? Well, God thinks it's a big deal. The statistics tell us that it does. Because there's just something. There's something about a vow. There's something about a promise for better, for worse. In sickness and in health. For richer, for poorer. Till death do us part. That gives us the confidence that we need. That we're going to stay together. That we're going to work together. That we're going to cry together. That we're going to suffer together. That we're going to rejoice together. That we're going to make it together. That sets us apart from those who simply live together as long as it's convenient. Marriage is a big deal. What proportion of unhappily married couples who stick it out stay miserable? Listen, the latest data shows that within five years, just 12% of very unhappily married couples who stick it out 
are still unhappy. 70% of the unhappiest couples, let me say that again. Wait, wait, don't play. Where are you? Don't play. This is too important. 70% of the unhappiest couples now describe their marriage as very or quite happy. They stuck it out. They worked through their issues. They were unhappy at one time, but 70% now say, we were unhappy at one time. Today, we're happily married. Just as good marriages go bad, bad marriages go good. And they have a better chance of doing so in a society that recognizes that marriage is a big deal than the ones who sing the statistical dubious joys of divorce. In closing, if God says marriage is a big deal, we should say marriage is a big deal. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you today. Thank you that you created marriage for a really important reason, Lord, because you knew that we would be healthier. You created marriage because you you knew that economically we would be stabler, that our kids would be safer, that our wives would be safer. Thank you that you gave us the beautiful institution of marriage and everyone should be committed. And Lord, I pray for the singles in this room, Lord, and the divorced, oh God. Lord, that they wouldn't take this message as a condescending message trying to make them feel worse, Lord, but help them to live their life to the fullest. As, as you said, Paul, as Paul the Apostle said, if you're single, then live life to the fullest. If you're married, married, live life to the fullest. And whatever place you find yourself, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would help us, Lord. Help us to make marriage again a big deal in, in our lives, oh God. Help us to love our wives and our husbands, Lord, like it's a big deal, Lord God. And maybe if we think it's a big deal and you know it's a big deal and we start treating it as a big deal, maybe, Lord, things will change, Lord. And the statistics will change in our country. And Lord, marriage once again will be celebrated, Lord, even amongst our millennials, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I don't have any significant relationships in my life. Or I have a lot of relationships in my life, but there's something still missing in my life. Friend, I want to tell you what's missing. What's missing is that God is the center of your life. And until you make him the most important thing in your life, you will always have a God vacuum in your life that nothing, nothing in the world will ever be able to fill. See, some of you are trying to get your husband to fill the place of God. Some of you are trying to get your wife to fill the place of God. And that's not fair. Because your husband is not God, your wife is not God. And you'll never be happy. And you won't be happily married until you decide that God needs to be number one in your life. You say, Pastor, I'm not certain if I die today, I'd, I'd even go to heaven, but I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins and come into my life and be the Lord and Savior of my life. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to surrender to God. Maybe your marriage is a mess. Maybe you're a mess. But today, you want to turn that around and give your life to Christ today. Give your life, turn it back over to God today. Just me looking up, nobody else, everybody head bowed, eyes closed. You want to look at me now. If you want to raise your hand and say, yes, Pastor, pray for me. Just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you right now. God bless you. 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 Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. In the balcony, bless you. Hey, after the service is over with today, uh, we're going to encourage you to go downstairs and congratulate the wonderful couple that's getting married. But after the service, if you need prayer, you raised your hand and said, I want to give my life to God today. There's some, we call them altar counselors, and they're, they're standing up here. And they want to pray with you. They want to give you what you need. want to give you some information, connect you to community and pray with you today. But I, I'd like all of us just to stand right now. Can we do that? And can we pray two prayers? I want to pray, the first prayer I want to pray is a prayer for everyone who needs to give their life to God, turn their life over to God. Maybe you're already a Christian, but you just need to recommit your life to God today. Let's just pray this recommitment prayer. In fact, let's get mushy, okay? Let's get mushy. Take your hands, okay? Take your hands like this and wipe them on your pants because by now they're sweaty. And grab the hand of the person next to you. Go ahead and grab the hand of the person next to you. It's okay. I know you're strangers with some of those people. Just don't, don't hold it too tightly if you don't know the person. That's kind of weird, all right? Just hold it loosely. But let's just pray right now for everyone. That, let's pray for people that just need desperately to know that God loves them and cares about them. And I want us to pray together. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. And the greatest relationship in my life is me and you. Sometimes I feel distant. Sometimes I feel alone. But I know that's not true because you're right there. Lord, I open my heart to you. Touch my heart. It's been wounded and it's not easily loved. But I ask you today to love me, God. Forgive me, oh God, for my sins be number one in my life above anything else be number one in Jesus name amen now I want you to hold, keep holding those hands and let's just right now I'm going to pray I'm not going to ask you to pray because this is really sensitive but I want to pray for marriages God I pray for marriages right now God Jesus, I pray for marriages, Lord. Jesus, I pray that you would heal broken hearts, Lord. Lord, things that were said that were not supposed to be said, things that were done that were not supposed to be done, God, have left, oh God, in the hearts of so many people, wounds, oh God, that seem so deep, so painful, Lord, that they would rather run, Lord. But Lord, you're a redemptive God. You're a healing God. God, I pray for our young people today, Father. God, that they wouldn't give up on marriage, Lord. That they wouldn't throw in the towel, Lord, because they're never going to be happy. 
until they see, Lord God, that you've given them an incredible gift of marriage, oh God. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to mentor them. We, help, we pray that you would help us as older couples to show the younger couples what it means to be in love, what it means to be unconditional with our love, God, which isn't always easy, Lord. So Lord, we pray, oh God, that you bless the marriages in our church, bless the marriages that are watching via live stream, we thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, please remember this one thing. I really love you guys. And God has a plan for your life, and it's big. Have a great day.